0: Amen. Well, you may be seated. So, well, wow, what a good group we have here today. Uh, summer's coming to an end, so I guess we're all kind of getting in that <coughs> space or that situation to get ready for school, and whatever else is going to start. Uh, we had a, a great week. Um, we got to go out to um, Four Mile um, State Park, so we camped out out there. And I don't know if it was as a result of that or what, but I sound funny. Uh, I don't know if that's uh, late summer allergies or what, but. Um, we'll get through this morning either way, and um, so, wow, yeah, I'm just thinking about all the wonderful things that um, God has done this summer and uh, bringing us to this place. The, the picnic last week um, out at the Olsons uh, was awesome, um, and so, uh, yeah, just a lot of good things going on, and, and then Megan shared before the uh, worship time, we uh, need to be in this mode, um, coming to church, you know, getting our reps in, um, doing that, getting ready for the new season. Uh, I don't know about you, but I need this every week. Um, I need to be here, be here with you guys. Um, so interestingly enough, that's what we'll be talking about, um, the good fight. Uh, we're closing out our time in First Timothy. We'll be moving into Second Timothy next week. Uh, we're closing our time in First Timothy today uh, in verses 11 through 21 of chapter 6. And uh, So the good fight. <clears throat> when I was thinking about that, really, it's been several weeks, and I'm just thinking and praying this week. I'm getting to be uh, by the water. I don't know if you've been out there, um, visited anywhere around there. It's just so still. It's um, it's interesting. You go know, to the ocean, of course, it's all wavy. And um, we just got to sit out there and kind of be out there. And um, you think about things and the tranquility of nature and God's goodness and how he's just kind of painted things. And, and you're like, how did how did you do this, God? It's like we could never put together something as beautiful as creation. And just to think about that's a good thing to do. Um, so as I was thinking about this fight, this fight of enduring faith, the good fight that we do fight, Paul knew that it would be a difficult road for Timothy as he was leading the church in Ephesus. Um, he wasn't sitting there going, sitting there going, "Hey, this is going to be uh, easy. Sit in your lazy boy, and you won't have to do anything. You won't have to confront issues. Uh, you'll you'll be good. Uh, just just uh, hang out." Um, but Paul knew Timothy was going to a difficult place, a difficult community. Uh, in a difficult church, um, that he was going to have to try to lead well. And in the end of this interaction, we'll see that the context of 1 Timothy changes a whole lot from first to second. Um, We'll see next week that as um, Paul is um, talking to Timothy, his language is going to change. He's a guy who goes from kind of being free to uh, go where he pleases, uh, to a guy being... Um, Trapped in a dungeon, in prison. So your perspective changes a little bit too, but Paul is really preparing Timothy for the time that was gonna come and the foresight that God gave him for the persecution that was gonna come for the church. When 1 Timothy is being written, uh, there was not quite as much persecution going on as there was when 2 Timothy was written. Uh, There are some bad things that happened between that, a fire in Rome um, that the emperor blamed on Christians. And so as a result, um, just... Terrible, terrible persecution happened. Things were already not great for them, but they would get worse. And so uh, Paul was going, hey, Timothy, here's the keys that you need to be successful moving forward. And so as you think about the good fight, <clears throat> I was about a lot of fights throughout history and movies and things that I've seen. And one in particular came to my mind, the Karate Kid. And uh, I don't know if you've seen that film, but just kind of for me, like growing up in the 90s, that was one of my uh, me and my dad's favorite movies. And so we would watch that. Together, And we would always say this phrase to each other, wax on, wax off. And so if you remember seeing that movie, um, you probably think of a few characters, one that's um, probably hard to miss, Mr. Miyagi. And uh, so he's a, you know, non-assuming or, you know, a guy who doesn't get a lot of attention. He's a repairman and uh, Daniel, uh, the character Daniel and his mom moved to Southern California and they are trying to find their way. And along the way, um, Daniel finds himself becoming the center of uh, bullying by a group of guys from the local Cobra Kai dojo. And so they're beating him up, and he's, he's kind of looking for a way. How do, I, how do I navigate this? Like, I don't know martial arts. How, I can't even defend myself now. And so um, he <coughs> comes alongside Mr. Miyagi, and you know, he thinks he's going to gain all these really amazing skills right off the bat. You know, he starts, and he's, he's going to teach me how to beat these guys up, and just, I'm going to show them. And, but what happens what does Mr. Miyagi have young Daniel do? Wax his car, right? Take the wax off, paint his house, <laughs> stain the fence, and so Daniel comes to a point where he is very frustrated with the situation. He you know, he thinks, "Well, you there's all these things you should have been teaching me. Like, why weren't you doing that?" And Mr. Miyagi <clears throat> he has this conversation with him, and he basically says, "Do you not understand the things I've been teaching you already?" And I- in these clockwise and counterclockwise motions, he's been teaching him how to defend himself. And I think in the same way, you know, we, we love films like that, like classic films, but sometimes we miss these important principles that we can pull from that I think are God's truths as well. You know, we go throughout life and uh, we, we, we kind of go through the monotonous things. I think we go through like, yes, I know I should like read my Bible and do the quiet time and pray and come to church, and at times it can feel even lifeless. Like, whoa, wait a minute, did the pastor say that? Yeah, at times it can feel like, you know, why am I doing this? And then we get to a season where it's like, oh, that's why I was doing this. That's why I was learning. That's why I was being taught the wax on, the wax off. Sometimes the things that we think are the monotonous things or the things that are not essential to our faith. The reps that we need to get in are actually the most essential and so that's what we'll be talking about this morning. Uh, and so, the first fill in the blank is going to be pursuit in the fight. Uh, pursuit in the fight, found in First Timothy six, eleven, and twelve. And so it says in verse eleven, "But as for you, a man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness." So what is Paul telling him? As a young man, as a young preacher at the church in Ephesus, and and everybody who is reading this would have been the whole church. You need to flee these things, and he's referencing the first part of chapter six here. Um, there, there were a lot of unhealthy things going on in the church, um, envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, to name a few, which we read a few weeks ago, and Paul says, the church can't be about this. God knew, who was giving these words to Paul, who would give them to Timothy for the church in Ephesus, and he's go, he goes, I know what you're going to have to struggle with, I know what you're going to have to deal with, and it's so important that we're making sure we're practicing the right way, Right? one of the things I loved about the film too, he was teaching him muscle memory, right? So he wax on, wax off. And, and what's so important about that? If you play sports, if you need to get your reps in, if you're doing martial arts, there are things that you have to be able to do without thinking about it, right? There are things that your body has to be able to do without going, I think I need to do that, right? So in the same way, in our spiritual natures, there are these things that Paul's gonna remind us of, and he's gonna be communicating this to the church that we need to be getting him in. We need to be pursuing God. Like godliness, I think... At times we think like it will just fall in our laps and it will just be easy and it never is, right? Godliness, growing closer to God. So he says, but as for you, O man of God. And so when we see this first word here, man of God. Um, at, at times it can be confusing because when read it in the English, it says man or man of God. This word here in the Greek is the word anthropos and it really is referring to all of mankind. Uh, at times we'll read that and especially young ladies, it can be confusing. You're like, wait, he's not talking about me. I don't need to worry about this, but he's saying to all mankind, what do we need to do? Flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. And this word here for pursue, echo in the Greek, to seek after eagerly, earnestly, endeavoring to acquire. Have you ever sought after anything like so hard that you just like that? That was all that mattered to you? Uh, maybe there's something like, you're just, you, know, you have a gifting and you're really good at. It. We have a lot of people that are you know, gifted in sports in the room. We have people who are gifted in arts. We have people who have a lot of other aptitudes, teaching, uh, medical, um, safety. And just uh, think about the people that we have in the room right now and the different spaces that we cover. Um, we all have these different spaces, but, but what are these things that we pursue so eagerly, things that we want? Like I hope, too, that like what we're doing right now and what you do for a living is um <coughs> what you enjoy I've had a conversation with somebody recently said, I don't enjoy what I do. I always like to ask people that. Um, it's like, are you happy where you're at? Are you finding joy in that? And sometimes the answer is just no. And so there's, not, there's no pursuit, right, for what you do. You just kind of show up to work and you're like, I'm here, right? And I love what I do. I always tell people that. You know, I get to the point where I have a conversation. I go, what do you do? And, and they'll ask me. And I tell them, well, I'm a pastor. And they're like, oh, okay. But I like what I do. <laughs> I like what I do. I love to do it. Um, and so I want to seek it um, earnestly and endeavor towards it to do the best job that I can. But but first and foremost, if I'm not seeking after the Lord, then it doesn't matter like what I do here, right? Um, <clears throat> we got some time to um, be out. It was really kind of, I guess, our first uh, vacation uh, with a baby uh, over the summer. Um, the summer's been mostly about baby, and so uh, we went out, and so I got just some times. Christians laughing, she's like, I know what that's like. I was like, <laughs> we got some time, uh, or I did, just kind of early in the mornings, um, just to sit and pray, and um, study, and think, and um, uh, man, I, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have that time. And I know I, I say this to you guys, but you know, the truth is that if we don't have our own times with the Lord, uh, then none of this matters, right? Like, why are, are we not pursuing God eagerly and earnestly? We should be. Um, <clears throat> man, had so many guys remind me of that. Uh, before you get in the pulpit, um, you need to be you need to be alone with the Lord before you do that. Uh, and so, steadfastness, gentleness—this uh, is what we need to look like. <clears throat> and again, it doesn't just fall in our lap. Verse two says, "Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called, about which you made good confession in the presence of many witnesses." Sometimes we just need encouragement too. We need somebody you know, keep going, like you can do it. Um, you think about who Timothy is, he, I mean, he's a pretty prominent character in uh, Christianity, um, a leader in the church, and you think that would have been enough, but um, man, Timothy kind of got brought on uh, by Paul. He discipled him and mentored him. Um, he was brought to the Lord by his mother and grandmother, and so he didn't really have like a solid father figure. Now, you can imagine this guy like at times even the insecurities of his ministry, and he's trying to lead, and he's like, I just don't know if I can do this. You can imagine Timothy having a nervous breakdown or having anxiety about stuff. I I can imagine that. And so why does why does Paul say these things to him? I think there's a reason and we need to hear it to fight the good fight of faith. You think that would have been implied. But God is communicating this through Paul to Timothy and the church for a reason. Fight the good fight. At times it's um, man it's hard. It's like we, we we're trying to get over here this morning and there were some things that were going wrong and baby <laughs> diaper, you know, deal. we'll get into the details of that, but um, you got to change all the clothes, so we're trying to get over here still. And uh, man, my wife is amazing, handling all those things, um, and I just I'm there to try to help. But um, <clears throat> when I think about this good fight. Like we're at times, we just feel exhausted, don't we? And we're like, I'm trying, like, I'm here, I'm here this morning. We made it, um, so let's just let's uh, let's celebrate that, right? Because we should. And so. Um, I think about that, but just the great deal of effort that it takes, not just to get up in the morning, but get ready and do all those things, and then to make sure that we are focusing on the Lord, that we're spending time with him. He says, fight the good fight. How do we do that? We can't do it uh, unless we're spending time with him first. And so we've got to fight that good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you made a good confession. Sometimes we need reminders, too, of like, like, I know I'm trying right now, but then we have to go back to that place where we first put our faith and trust in Jesus. And, and, and Paul is like, why, why does Paul have to remind Timothy of this? Well, he's encouraging him, right? Sometimes we just go, I had a bad day, right? I had a bad week. And Paul's going, you need to fight that good fight hold, and take hold of eternal life to which you were called, about which you made good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Um, and I don't know where you're at. Maybe um, you've had that opportunity where you've put your faith and trust in Jesus. I hope that you have um, and that your life has been changed since then. Timothy's was changed drastically, And he found himself in a place that probably he would have never thought, (laughs) leading uh, a church. And he's like, I need help. And Paul's like, remember the confession that you made. What confession did he make? Well, uh, Tertullian, who's a church father, um, said this about this verse in his work to the martyrs. In like manner, O blessed, consider what is hard in your present situation as an exercise of your powers of mind and body. You are about to enter a noble contest in which the living God acts the part of superintendent and the Holy Spirit is your trainer. Although we were already talking about that this morning. The Holy Spirit is your trainer, a contest whose crown is eternal, whose prize is angelic nature, citizenship in heaven forever and ever. I didn't tell anybody else what I was talking about, by the way, other than just the title. And so, all the things that have already been said, it's just the spirit working. So I just think that's really cool. So, what is God preparing us for? What, what is the reason for all of this? What are these reps that we're putting in? And Paul is reminding Timothy, he's like, don't give up. Because sometimes it feels like we want to give up, doesn't it? And so he reminds him, remember that decision that you made. Put, have continual daily pursuit of God, but remember what decision you made. I remember driving down the road. I was going to a funeral. I tell this story all the time, but it's important to know what our testimony is. When did we put our faith and trust in Jesus? And I remember like, going down the road with my dad. Um, we were going to a funeral, it was my step-grandfather, and um, there were some questions around, like, was he saved? Did he know the Lord? And I was asking my dad that, and I was like, Dad, I'm not sure. I mean, I know what the truth is. And he's like, well, we can stop right now and make sure. And so my dad pulled off on the side of the road, and we talked about it, and we prayed. And that was that I was uh, seven years old. put my faith and trust in the Lord. Um, And I hope you remember a specific instance in your life where you made that decision, uh, because it's essential. Like, Timothy, on those tough days, like, when people are beating him up, and they're like, Timothy, you're too young to be a pastor. <laughs> you don't really know anything. Um, how are you going to help people? I mean, look at all these other guys who are formally trained. You know, think about the Pharisees and and look at you, well Timothy, and he's probably thinking some of the same things. And so where do you think he goes to? And Paul's like, don't let that get you, right? Don't let it get you, okay? <clears throat> and so what is this this confession? So in the Greek, it's the word uh, homologia, uh, which uh, more accurately represents this idea of profession. So we've been talking about this. We're, when did we make this decision? It's essential to know who we are in Christ. Um, so are we pursuing God daily? We need to be reminded on those tough days. Maybe somebody else needs to walk alongside us and remind us to remember the decision that you made to follow Jesus, all right? Let's not depart in that, okay? So we've got pursuit. That first comes through knowing who we are in Christ. So, we've, Have we made a decision to follow him? Have we have we really solidified that in our minds? And the second thing is, which comes first in the text, is um, this pursuit. Like, do we have that that daily? You know, I harp on it all the time, um, but it seems like the basics, the things that we uh, maybe take for granted more are the most important. You know, Daniel, Mr. Miyagi, he's like, one more coat. (laughs) One more coat. Get that wax, you know, nice on the car. And you know, he's like, I'm getting a pretty good deal out of this. What Daniel doesn't know is that he's learning very valuable skills. So, what are we learning right now? I hope something. I hope something in your daily pursuit of the Lord. And sometimes we just need that hope. Um, Paul, as he closes out this letter, um, that's the second fill in the blank, by the way. It's already up there. Um, hope um, is really kind of the key. I love that picture. It's really kind of the key in a lot of our situations in life. Um, we get so bogged down. Things seem so difficult. And, and Paul is really trying to lift up Timothy in the church and encourage him. He doesn't know when he's going to write to him again. Little does he know it's going to be from his prison cell about to be martyred. Um, and so he's giving him some important words to remember. If you had last words to say to somebody... <laughs> They need to be good ones, and these are, um, in verse 13, we find that uh, we have a present hope. So there's going to be a couple of different hopes here. You can write them down by the verse if you want to in your Bible or just in your notes. Um, It says in verse 13, we have this present hope. It says, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and Christ Jesus who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made a good confession. So he not only tells him, he goes, hey, Timothy, remember the confession that you made? And remember what Jesus did in his life? Oh, his death, burial, and resurrection, like his life for you. And then even when he was before Pilate, he made this confession as well. Before we did, before we said, um, Jesus, you are the king of my life. I hope you've said that. I hope you've made that decision. Paul goes even further back. He goes, you put your faith and trust in Jesus. And Jesus made this acknowledgement himself about who he was before Pontius Pilate. It says in John chapter 18, verses 33, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of the world. Then Pilate said to him, so are you a king? I love this because people around the world will say, Jesus never said he was God, he never said he was a king. What did he say? He says, Jesus answered, you say that I am a king, for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I found no guilt in him. Oh, how surprising. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? It's like, even Pilate knew. Hey, there's no guilt in Jesus. What did Jesus say? You said it yourself. I'm a king. I came for this purpose. So we have a present hope. Verse 14 tells us we have a future hope. And in verse 14 it says, To keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love this. We were um, just talking about this. So, what does our future hope look like? Sometimes we lose perspective. Um, <clears throat> it's really cool to uh, you know, go to weddings because we get kind of a picture of that. Um, I know David and Rachel are thinking a lot about that, right? About a month and a half, isn't it? Yeah, they're not nervous, right? It's kind of. <laughs> and so, I love, we love going to weddings and thinking about that because what is this picture that God gives us throughout the scripture? This marriage supper of the Lamb, this wedding supper of the Lamb that we read this morning in Revelation. It's like, oh man. If, we, if you ever get discouraged, just go to Revelation. Just go to the first part of Revelation and start reading and going like, okay, I can do today because God's prepared the future. And there's, there's going to be this day like we've all talked about. Like when we're standing before God with this great multitude, like Matt said, it's like we can't even imagine what that's going to look like. But we get to see it in just small glimpses in a wedding, in a marriage. So cool! I'm looking forward to it. Hope you are too. So we got this future hope, right? Um, <clears throat> get to see little pieces of it. We got to grab onto that, right? Not get discouraged. So easy to get discouraged nowadays, isn't it? Um, to keep the commandment unstained, free from reproach until the appearing of Lord Jesus Christ. So we have this great purpose, but we have this hope. And then in verse 15, <clears throat> we have this person of our hope. So it's, we're not just like hoping in things that are not, you know, great or awesome or mighty. Um, I was listening to a pastor yesterday. I'm um, just kind of talking about the attributes of God. And, and he said, if you just like put in, the word, maybe a little Google search, you could probably do this. Or maybe if you have like a Bible program, you could go, God is. And you would have endless results for a personal Bible study for the rest of your life. God is awesome. He's almighty. He's our rescuer. Yeah, I mean, you could just go on and on, right? But we don't, we don't really see God, I think, a lot of the times in that position in our lives. Even though he's sitting on the throne um, it's hard for us to see that. So verse 15 says, which he will display at the proper time, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, king of kings and lord of lords. I love it. We used to have, um, I grew up in the south, so um, you know, big like Bible belt churches. Like you can drive down the road and just not see like a giant, you know, church building. Um, <clears throat> and so I'm glad that we're here now. I love like small town community church. It's where we feel at home. Um, but I grew up in that kind of church. And so you'd like walk in and in the sanctuary, there'd be like, These big banners, maybe some of you remember them or see them. Be like King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Uh, like that kind of that old like velvet, like weird color we don't use anymore. Uh, But it'd be hanging up on the wall, the regal colors, right? So we've kind of gotten away with that with modern, right? That's what it looks like in here now, which is cool. I like it. Um, But but when you went to those kind of places, or maybe even some churches now, you walk in and you're just like, wow, like that's cool. Like that puts things in perspective for me, doesn't it? Well, it should, and we should be reading this and thinking about it daily because we have this person of our hope. It's not in like we get up in the morning and we're like, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> and some of us could, could easily say that each and every day, but then we think about the, King of, the King, King of Kings and Lord of Lords and it puts it in perspective. Paul's going to Timothy in the church like, you have hope and it's not in like silly little things that don't matter. It's not in like the next big thing. I like that David talked about that several weeks ago. What's the next big thing? We put our hope in a lot of those kind of things and then they happen and they're like it's over. Oh... Uh, Great letdown, that was awesome, but now we gotta wait another year for it to happen again or whatever it is, right? We go through those seasonal things and they're good and they're great, but if we place all of our hope in that, in those big things, then other than the greatest thing, right? God, we need to have perspective and hope, right? And we got the position of our hope in verse 16. It says, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor in eternal dominion. Amen. So, what is this position of our hope? We know what pursuit is. We're supposed to be following God faithfully. We really need to know, like, when we first put our faith and trust in Jesus. When was that time that we made that decision um, to follow Him? And then we've got hope in all these spaces. It's like, man, like, I, I mean, I was encouraged just reading it this week. I had I had written and studied for it before, but then I read it again and again. And I was like, man, we we really don't have a reason to despair, no matter what happens in life. We've we've got all these forms of hope that we can look to. Um, <clears throat> the future one, and then Jesus, our person of hope, and then our position of hope. So, where does Jesus sit? I always like thinking about him like this. If you look towards the end of Revelation, um, you know, you get to the end of all things, and like God's created a new heaven and a new earth. Um, Jesus is there, and it says that there's no need for the sun because he's our light. Like, isn't that awesome? Like, we rely on not freezing to death by the sun coming up. I know in the winter sometimes it feels like we are like constantly freezing to death, right? Uh, Somebody coming from Texas, I know more of you are used to that, but it's like we're in this constant phase and we're just like, when will will we see the sun again? A little warmth, right? But the scripture tells us that Jesus is going to be this source of light. Like we won't need anything else. And so I just, I like thinking like that. He dwells in unapproachable light that we as human beings, sinful human beings, we could not look at him. And live, right? You think about God's holiness and his just, you know, awesomeness, and it's like we take it for granted so often, and we just trample under feet his glory um, and his grace with us that we, when we look at pictures like this and we go, where does he really dwell? In immortality, unapproachable light no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Um, and some of you might think, well, we did see Jesus. Remember he came down to earth for those 33 years and you're right, but both God and man, in a visible form that would allow us to, the people who are there, to see Him and interact with Him and see God without just falling dead. right? And we see this kind of this account as well. in the Old Testament, you look to the priests going in and um, where the holy of holies was. They couldn't go in there either, and that was just like a little glimpse, right? Um, I think about Moses too in the Old Testament. He's like, God, just let me see. Just let me see your glory." And what does he do? He's like, "All right, I'm going to pass by in the cleft of rock. don't look at me." <laughs> don't look at me because you'll die. Uh, and we think about like how, uh, if we could get that in the right perspective, like who God is, then man, I mean, the way that we would live, I think would change just that daily pursuit of him. So it's not just, all right, Leon, let me read my uh, passage for the day. Okay, I'm good. All right, I am good Right, i got to go. But really understanding um, who God is, um, this unapproachable light that he dwells in, his holiness, I just, it's awesome um, to think about um, and it's hard not to. I mean, we were um, out there uh, on the, the lake, and it's weird because growing up in the South, um, we had lakes, but they were all man-made. I didn't get like how cool or magnificent like lakes could be. In Texas, you were just like praying that it wasn't so hot and you know dry that everything was just like you know it was like drought constantly. Uh, so you go to a lake and you can see the other side <laughs> very easily. It's like you know I could swim that probably, and I'm not in shape, right? Um, but you you get to the lake here and you're like. uh where's the other side? <laughs> At night, it's cool um, if you're out there, um, really kind of any place just kind of there um, along the lake. A lot of times, um, dusk, dawn, you can see um, Ontario uh, from across the way. It's really cool. You can get binoculars, use your phone, you know, zoom in, um, get a little bit better picture. And, and I love seeing that. But it's like you can barely see that, and it's still kind of distorted. It's not even the ocean, right? And you think about the vastness of who God is and just like the beauty of a sunset out there, um, which we got to see several nights, and it's like this isn't even going to compare, right? <laughs> this isn't even going to compare. So we get bogged down, and we're like, I can't do this, God, but then are we pursuing him daily? And where does our hope really come from? Do we really view God like this in unapproachable light that one day we will stand with him and be able to view visibly, right? That's just, it blows my mind. So <clears throat> we've got pursuit. We've got hope. And here's the last thing. We've got to be able to guard in the fight to be able to guard in the fight. Um, <clears throat> Verse 17. So we really find our real source, I guess, here of uh, riches and who God is. Um, Paul's going to compare again this issue that was going on in the church. So he's like, you got to pursue God. You got to know how you trusted him. Um, you got to know where your hope is coming from, the person and work of Jesus and what he's done for us. Where does he really sit? Um, do we understand that? And he says, you got to you gotta be on guard too, okay? Because there's some other things going on that um, you need to be aware of and address. He talks about a lot in the beginning of chapter six. Here's some things you need to avoid. And he says in verse 17, "As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy." <clears throat> Been reading through the Proverbs too this um, this week, and just getting ready for a new series we're going to do based in the Proverbs called "The Wise Way." I feel like we need wisdom. I need wisdom in this time, this season of life. Uh, and Proverbs 18.11 says, A rich man's wealth is a strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. How many things do we like? Do we, you read that a couple times, you're like, oh. How, many, uh, how much of the time do we rely on things to provide us security and hope and comfort uh, which could just be taken in an instant? I mean, I, you think about it like health, um, money, position power, whatever it might be, our, our, our jobs, you know, and that was a big concern, it's like when COVID happened, of, I mean, people were thinking, like, am I going to lose my job, is this going to happen, like, um, and I think we really figured out, the Lord was really working on my heart during that time too, like, uh, wh- what is my hope solely placed on, the paycheck at the end of the week, I don't know, hopefully not, because um, it's a high wall, it can be a really high wall in our imaginations, can it, and so Paul's reminding, hey, hey, Timothy Church, Man, I know this, Ephesus, you're an industrious area, um, really, really well off. There have been a lot of wealthy people there that were in the church, and he goes, it, it matters what your perspective is, which I think is why he talks about Jesus and his awesome glory before he says this. He's like, huh, you get it now, don't you? Because you see who Jesus is. And we can't even look at him in sinful eyes. And verse 18 says, <clears throat> they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share thus storing up treasure for themselves is a good foundation for the future so they may take hold of what is truly life. Um, and so where does our, I always think about where does our contentment come from. It's not from our situation, right? We talked about that a few weeks ago as well, but what are they supposed to do? We're supposed to be doing good things, good works, and storing up what? To be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves is a good foundation for the future so they may take hold of what is truly life. Um, A lot of times people will read these passages and be confused too. Like, wait a minute, I've already put my faith and trust in Jesus. I mean, I'm pursuing him. So what am I supposed to take hold of? Well, this taking hold is this idea of like, of daily taking hold of, of looking towards this goal and then going, okay, I'm going to take this piece today. I'm going to take this piece today from God. I'm continually growing and learning in my maturity when it comes to knowing God. Um, But it's difficult to see us see in this perspective. Other ministers, people I talk with be like, They'll say, say things that are contrary to what we believe. Um, well, you, you might be able to lose your salvation. Just so you know here, we don't believe that. Um, once saved, always saved is a good thing to remember. If you've made a decision, um, what, what Paul says to Timothy, hey, remember the confession that you made. Remember what Jesus said about himself, king of the universe, and remember who he is. And then he tells us here, hey, remember what this good foundation is, uh, thus storing it for treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. What is that? We need to know who we are, right? Where our pursuit comes from our hope in God um, and to know that no matter what happens, we, we can't lose that. We can't be ripped away or pulled away from God and this taking hold is leading up to that moment where we step into eternity and we get to see Jesus with just spiritual eyes, right? We just get to see him face to face and there's, not, there's this unapproachable light that we're able to dwell in and be with him. Um, just so awesome to think about. And, and Paul leads all of this up to Verse 20 and 21, where he kind of reorients our heart around the perspective of what's important and what we need to hold on to and not let go of. Um, Because he's like, hey, you you got salvation. You got the confession of faith. Remember that decision that you made? It doesn't change. Practice some things. And then he tells him this in verse 20. We need to guard through this right focus. He says, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge verse 21 for by professing it some have swerved from the f- swerved from the faith. And so what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to guard it, but he's not talking about salvation. See, we're already secured in Jesus. If you put your faith and trust in him, then you will stand before him one day and he'll say, "Hey, good news. Your name's in the book. Head on in." Right? And so that's not the question here. He says, "Oh Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge." And he's looking to doctrine here. And so it's so important for us. I remember having a conversation um, with our deacons. This was maybe a year ago. And I always ask, like, why are we here right now? What are we supposed to be doing? But why are we still here? Like, why do we exist as a church that's 202 years old? Um, Another church in our town just, I think, turned 200 years old. So we got a few years on them. I didn't say that, though. Celebrate. (laughs) Let them celebrate, right? And uh, so... Uh, but 202 years old, I'm like, why are we still here? And some of it, one of the guys said, because we haven't departed from sound doctrine. We haven't departed from God's word. And so much of the world is just going like, yeah, you know, this is a good book. Like, I've got a few on my shelf. And at times I go, you know what, I need to, I need to learn something about that. So I'm going to take this book off and, and I'm gonna le- I need to, you know, uh, I need to learn something about karate. Like Daniel, he, he gets his karate book, right? And I need to learn something about this. But this is the book. For all life, right? The source of all truth. And at times, especially our culture has forgotten that and um, asked that question like Pilate said, what is truth? We need to be on guard for it, right? Because it's so easy. Things we watch, things we see, um, things we listen to, um, why, why do we exist and why do we still exist? Because we don't depart from God's word that He's given to us. So we got to guard it. And 2 Peter 3.17, it says this, You ther, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care, or in some translations it might even say be on guard, that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. So what, are, what were Paul and Peter um, writing about? Not to be on guard for your own salvation, right? You've been secured in that, you need to be pursuing God. They're saying here to be guarded in our doctrine, what we teach and what we know is truth and not to depart from that. And he uses the word here for knowledge. He says, don't be involved in all this other stuff. And I'm not going to go through it again because he's already given a detailed list in First Timothy, so you can go back and read that. Um, but he says, <clears throat> avoid irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. And so there's a couple of pieces of this, this word for knowledge, gnosis. Um, uh, there were a few things going on in the culture at that time. So there were the Gnostics, um, which is where we get a word. For this, in the Greek Gnosis. Uh, And then there was um, a lot of idolatry and temple worship, like the Temple of Artemis. And so, um, a couple things were happening. There was this group of people who would say, We are believers, or we are Gnostics, and we have knowledge. Like, we've been given this special knowledge. And this was creeping into the church. In the same way, the Temple of Artemis was saying, Hey, you know, ladies, um, come in. Um, You're going to get some special knowledge from this deity. And then when you go home, like, don't listen to your husband. He doesn't know anything. He, uh, you know, he can't lead your family, right? Oh, you're getting special knowledge that only you can receive. And so like we've talked about in the series, like the family unit was getting destroyed, we think about the issues that we're, we're like dealing with now. We're like, America uh, is going down the drain. I'm not saying there's not some bad stuff, but Paul was talking to a church in Ephesus that was dealing with some really similar stuff. Breakdown of the family unit. What is truth? Does anybody really know? I think that was the question that was going on in the of Ephesus as well. He goes, You need to be on guard for things that are falsely called knowledge, things that are falsely held up as truth. You need to be guarded against it. The word in the Greek for guard, uh just means to keep from being snatched away, preserved safe and unimpaired. And that's why we just unapologetically, like we can't we can't depart from this message of the truth of the gospel, which is what? Jesus came, he lived a sinless life for us, he died on the cross. Three days later, he got up. Huh. Who else has done that? Nobody. It's because he's God, and he took on all of our sins on that cross. And, and Paul's saying, Timothy, don't depart from it. Don't say that anything else that contradicts this is truth, because you can't. It's going to go bad. It's going to go to a bad place. And so what does he say? <clears throat> For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. So... Can't swear. We have to know where we came from. You know, I think about the pursuit of our lives. Like, where did it start? We all have a story. Um, I love telling people that story, too. Uh, it's so great to just share your testimony. Um, it's, honestly, it's, it can be really scary, but it's one of the easiest things you can do to share your faith. Where did I start? Um, where did I enter into this relationship with God? Where am I at right now? That should look very different because of pursuit, because of following God wholeheartedly. Um, I, I shouldn't act like the kid that was saved, right? That kid had a lot of problems. <laughs> he was a troublemaker, uh, and so sometimes I still am every once in a while. But wh- wh- where should I be at right now? Well, a lot of years later, right? I think about how old I am. It's like you know, twenty, twenty-some years later. Like, wow, that's a lot of time that's passed. So how differently should we look as God molds us and shapes us, and as we actively pursue Him? Because that's what the text says we should do: pursue. And then we have this hope. <clears throat> we always need encouragement, right? Timothy did too. Young guy in a difficult place, leading the church. He says, "What? What do I need to do? What do I need to be about?" And Paul reminds him, here's where our hope comes from, the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And then he reminds him, don't depart from that. Guard it, guard it above all else, the gospel, the good news. So as we think about the fight and guarding this and um, just being aware of what's going on around us, sometimes it's difficult. We kind of get in this like haze. And even this week, I'm like, I think I have something that's like turning into a sinus infection. Like my ears are just like having a hard time. So if I sound funny, I can't tell, but um, you can be the judge of that later. Uh, I was in the kitchen, and I'm always up just getting ready early, and um, studying and praying, and um, Christy's normally with the baby. She came down a little early. I wasn't expecting that, (laughs) and um, I don't get scared very easy, by the way, right? So you come up behind me, like, watch out, okay? Because I'm usually very aware of what's going on. I can hear things pretty well, but I was hearing nothing. I was, like, getting some tea. I'm, like, hopefully my voice will will make it through uh, service today, and she came up behind me. I was like, you just scared me. Like, and that almost never happened. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. She's like tiptoes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not your fault. But sometimes we get in that place, right? We just get in like this haze. And um, I think about as we, you know, as we close and we're thinking about pursuit and hope and this guard um, that we need to have, things that we need to protect in our lives, right doctrine, and what we believe, <clears throat> where we know we've come from. We can't let that be distorted. We can't get in this place where we, just, we don't even know like, what's going on around us. Because we're so bombarded by everything, and we're just taking everything in and going, well, that sounds good, and that's all right. Can't do that, right? We've got to stick close to God in um, His Word. <clears throat> There's been a lot of fights throughout history as well. You know, I think about, as I've been studying this, and the good fight that we fight, it's the greatest fight, by the way, this fight of enduring faith, um, and, and just kind of seeing it. If you watch the Karate Kid movies, and the ones that come out after those, they're okay. Um, you see a guy train and learn those skills and those repetitions, and then realizing in that moment he's able to defeat his enemies. <laughs> it's like, it's awesome, isn't it? You know, we love seeing those movies where the little guy triumphs, but he triumphs. Why? Sometimes there's this miraculous thing that happens, but normally it's because he's, he's taken this time during the movie, right? Taking this time to wax the car, to paint the house, to do whatever is needed, and then Mr. Miyagi, he's like, you're ready. He's like, what? I am? So don't think that as we leave this place in the pursuit, the hope, and the guard that we need to have, um, <clears throat> that we don't have hope, that we don't know how to fight this battle of enduring faith, right? We're, we're partway through this series, and we'll be in it for a few more weeks, um, <clears throat> but it's a long fight, right? It's not like we get in a, a boxing ring, and we're thinking, like, I, I just got to go a few, I got to go, like, seven or eight rounds if so I can get through this, then maybe I can do it. Life, although some people say it's short, it is long, and we enjoy it, and we celebrate it together. But we're standing in this arena. Like, I don't want us to think that, like, there, there's not an end in sight. There's not going to be this victorious place where, like, what Paul reminds Timothy, remembered who Jesus is. He's in unapproachable light. And you made this confession that you will stand before him one day. So while you're waiting, <laughs> he's like, <clears throat> while you're waiting to get to that point, be practicing these things. Pursuit, hope, and guard, what really matters, okay? Um, let me pray for us. And uh, then we'll close, right? Uh, Father, we thank you uh, for this day, uh, for the, the word. Um, it's so easy to discount it or to um, think There's so much other truth out there. God, your truth is the only truth, and everything else that claims to be truth we know comes from you. We pray today um, that as we think about these things, um, this good fight, it's really hard. It's a long fight. Um, God, I <clears throat> pray that you would help us, give us the strength and encouragement we need Um, as we think about this phrase, the silly phrase, wax on, wax off, um, that we'll be reminded that there's these little things that we do every day, these reps that we put in um, that will lead us to this place where we're standing with you in unapproachable light. Um, How awesome uh, that will be. Uh, Help us, God, though, daily. Like, remind us of when we put our faith and trust in you. Encourage us each day in that, um, that we might spend that time with you. Um, God, when we need hope, you're right before us, always. Always you give us all kinds of hope, present, future, who you are in your person. Uh, And God, you remind us that in this time, in this waiting, let's guard what really matters, our faith, the trust that we've put in you, um, the knowledge of who you are, not false knowledge. There's so much of that out there today. Man, we need, we need this. Um, God, I pray you'd help us in this fight of enduring faith. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, love.